This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. The Kathleen Wynne Liberals are heading towards a third place finish in the next provincial election, and the progressive conservatives are on the way to a, quote, massive majority. This, according to a new forum research poll, which was conducted last week, it was done just after the PCs released their election platform, which has been criticized in some circles as liberal light. On the liberal side, what's interesting to me in these numbers is that Wynne's government did not get a bump from cutting hydro bills by an average of 25 percent or from the very popular minimum wage increase. This poll shows the NDP as forming the next official opposition, even though they're not very far apart from the Liberals. The raw numbers are the Tories at 40%, Andrea Horvath's NDP at 26%, and the Liberals at 24%. Um, What do you make of these numbers? Do you see this poll as a kind of tipping point? I've I've never seen uh, such a a decisive uh, look at uh, what the Conservatives might do. Uh, Wondering what your opinion is. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now, we go to William Shatton, who is the Vice President of Research and Analytics at Forum Research, and Ashton Arsenault, who is a consultant at Crestview Strategy. Hi, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Libby. Uh, thanks for having me, Libby. Great. Let's start with uh, William. Were you surprised by these numbers, um, and what in this poll struck you as being quite new? Yeah, absolutely. So thanks uh, thanks again for having me on the show. So the, the numbers are actually... Um, They've dipped slightly for the Conservatives. The Conservatives were polling uh, a little bit higher and uh, earlier in the fall, in September and October. Um, they were averaging around uh, 45, 44%, uh, whereas our November 29th and 30th survey found them at uh, 40%. So they've, they've slightly, uh, slightly dipped. Um, as to where those kind of extra points went, it looks like they've uh, the NDP has kind of picked up a little bit of ground. Um, we are predicting that the NDP would form the opposition party right now, although they are very close uh, with Liberals. Uh, Something that really kind of stands out in what we've identified as being one of the drivers of this is um, Kathleen Wynne has a uh, terrible approval rating. Uh, She's very unpopular right now with Ontarians. Um, And Horwath is is liked, but she's not really known. she, she doesn't really resonate with, uh, with Ontario voters. She needs to get uh, do some more publicity work. Um, and kind of once the campaign ramps up, we may see those numbers kind of shift a little bit. As for right now, Patrick Brown is a relative unknown. Uh, I think it's going to – we did ask some questions related to uh, the campaign platform that was released. Right now, not a lot of people know about him, uh, don't really know what he stands for, and there's a lot of unfamiliarity with the kind of campaign platform that was released. 
And as you kind of alluded to in your intro, it is kind of being branded as a, a liberal light uh, campaign platform. So it's going to take some time for that to kind of the messages and the platform to uh, Ontario voters to get uh, some more sort of substantive opinions on it right now. Okay, uh, just before we we move to to Ashton, so this all looks like a negative reaction to the Liberals, right? That that's correct. Yeah, I mean they've been in, they've been in power for coming up to 15 years now. There's a lot of baggage. Um, I think that uh, has come through within those 15 years. They're an easy target um, for a lot of campaigns. And, uh, and yeah, I think there, there could be some kind of weary and, and tired uh, Liberal voters out there right now who are looking for, for alternative options. Um, Ashton, what do you make of it? If I were analyzing where the three parties are, I'd say the Liberals are trying to take uh, the NDP space. The NDP is kind of where it normally is, and and it looks like the progressive conservatives have uh, kind of moved to where liberals might be, uh, or red Tories, Bill Davis. Uh, what do you make of that? Look, I, I think you're seeing all of the parties do what they need to do to win elections, and that's ultimately slide to the center where the biggest pocket of voters exists. But if you're a liberal partisan with the hopes of getting the, the provincial government reelected, these numbers are obviously not very good news. The party support percentages are fairly consistent with what other polls have concluded, uh, save a couple of percentage points uh, in the margin. But the real cause for concern is what William had already alluded to, and that's the personal support levels for the premier. So 15% approve of her performance as premier, compared to 74% who do not. These are alarming numbers for any politician, let alone a party leader and a sitting premier. But as bad as these numbers on the surface are, it's important to keep perspective that this poll uh, like all polls, represents a snapshot in time. And I think we would be doing ourselves a disservice if we did not mention the political campaigning prowess of Kathleen Wynne. Uh, she's very good in the campaign setting, and uh, I think you'll see the Liberals put up a real fight as we edge towards the election next June. Mm-hmm. Um, either of you, do you find it interesting that sh- that she did not get a bump from uh, either cutting those hydro rates or uh, the increase in the minimum wage, which, by the way, is something that the Conservatives would delay? I think, unfortunately, for the Premier, she's the victim of voter fatigue. Um, William mentioned that. Uh, it just seems as though no matter what they do, and there's been a number of positive initiatives you can point to over the past several years, it doesn't seem to particularly help the Premier whatsoever. But at the same time, the Ontario Liberals aren't going to go down without a fight. They've been in power for 15 years, and quite frankly, they have the benefit of everything that comes with that. That includes a strong party apparatus, great organizers on the ground, and a government that knows how to move uh, legislation through the process very quickly, which is something the uh, current government is engaging in. Okay, I, I just want to throw it out there. You know, um, I hear from a lot of people who are sick and tired of, of the Liberal government um, more than those who support it. So, so uh, listeners, audience, I, I'm throwing it out there to you. Is there anything that Kathleen Wynne can do to win you back? Is there anything that she's doing right, or is it is is like she just passed her best before date, um, along with the rest of her government? The numbers to call: four one six three six zero zero seven forty, toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And again, William, you know, um, there's I guess a cumulative aspect to this. So, you know, we've seen Kathleen Wynne's numbers, you know, even lower than 15 percent at some points. Uh, You know, at what point does does this uh, just become kind of etched in stone? (laughs) If it does. Yeah, it it, it has been. uh, 
she's been performing poorly pretty consistently. I think uh, the last time I'm looking at my trending data here, the last time we had her in the lead uh, above the Conservatives was in November of 2014. So it's uh, been a while. Yes, definitely. So it, you know, just tying back to I think your comments on you know obviously hydro and minimum wage are, are kind of um, big uh, big elements that Kathleen Wynne is, is going to try and um, triumph and, and trumpet once the campaign period really starts picking up here. I think it's a bit early to try and measure the impact that the minimum wage increase has had. Once it takes effect in, in the new year uh, and, and it's kind of trickled down into people's uh, bank accounts, um, I think you know it'll be interesting to see how that impacts these results in you know in February and, and in March. Um, you know, we, she may she may see a, a bump there, and, and as Ashton alluded to, she's she's very good at campaigning. You know, so once things pick up, once we get a little closer to the election, again, we're we're very keen to see kind of how these numbers shape out month to month, um, and I think we'll start polling a little more frequently than that once it starts getting a little closer to the election. So there's you know, she's still got a chance. We're not ruling anything out right now, um, and uh, but it's going to be an interesting. Uh, 2018. Now, Ashton, um, uh, the progressive conservatives in this province anyway kind of have a a history of of shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, It looks like they're playing it extremely safe this time. Um, Is there a point where you think it becomes too safe? Well, Libby, you hit the nail right on the head there. Uh, for those in Patrick Brown land, obviously there's there's cause to be very enthusiastic. But I just want to jump back to a little over a week ago when the you know the energy of the party at its convention uh, was really quite palpable. Uh, the convention was upbeat, it was fresh, and the party put out a relatively substantive platform, which is anchored by tax cuts for the middle class families. And you know, some people are calling that liberal light. I think that's a disservice, quite frankly, to Patrick Brown, who has shown a tremendous aptitude to be able to campaign on this platform. And I think it is exactly what people in Ontario are looking at right now. But just to, uh, again, go back to the Premier with a glimmer of hope, I think ultimately the key to Patrick Brown's future success is avoiding the complacency that comes along with you know, strong poll numbers like this. So far, that does not appear to be an issue. Uh, Patrick has a tremendously capable team of professionals around him uh, who both and know and have the experience in getting the ball across the goal line. Uh, these are very serious people who know how to fundraise, uh, organize, and deliver. Yeah, and he, he certainly, he's young, and he certainly has energy. Like, he's, he's not, uh, he's, he's not going to take a, a holiday, I don't think, between yeah, now and, and then. Yeah, uh, you know, one, one other thing, you, you sort of pointed to it. Uh, he hasn't fallen into any traps thus far. Uh, right now, he's been incredibly disciplined. Uh, they've been disciplined to the ex- uh, extent that they have been able to avoid a large number of traps laid out by the government. Uh, and this continued discipline is absolutely critical uh, critical to the future electoral success of uh, Patrick Brown. Okay, uh, let's hear from Stephen in Parkdale. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Libby. How are you doing today? Fine. You're on the air. Go ahead. Okay. First of all, about the numbers, obviously... Uh, I think it was Diefenbaker that said what polls are good for, but I, I think they do reflect the people. So I wish it at this time. I'm wondering how much these uh, numbers are because of the media coverage of these uh, parties. That I know if I want to see anything about the NDP, I have to forge through the paper. Is that the fault of the media or is that the fault of the NDP, I'm wondering? 
Uh, I'll let our guys answer that. <laughs> you know, blame, this is just my take. A lot of times blaming the media really is a, kind of an easy, it's, it's, it's an easy response in, in my opinion, because, you know, we cover what's in front of us. But guys, can you respond to that? Uh, sure. I, I, I would just say, um, you know, today uh, this poll represents a pretty positive development. Uh, for Andrea Horvath, quite frankly. Uh, it shows that, you know, while not all of her messages are sticking, uh, people in Ontario are not forgetting about the party. Um, but a word to the wise, if you want to win elections, that's done through organization, organization, organization. And if I'm sitting in an NDP uh, office right now, that's all I'm thinking about. How do I get my assets where they need to be for June 2018? I would, I would also just point out, you know, I, I, I agree with you, Libby, it's kind of easy to point fingers at the media, but there's kind of like a systematic uh, issue with the three-party system, right? If you're not the, the, the majority or you're not the official opposition party, you know, the, 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 the other parties we have and the Greens could also be kind of share this, this grief. You know, they get uh, a lot less attention because they don't have that official status, right? And it's just part of the two-party, you know, um, you know still, still some kind of hints to the two-party system. So the if you're not, you know, in, in that official opposition party, which is why it's so important, and right now we have, you know, based on our, our data, we're looking at the NDP gaining that official opposition status if an election were held today, right? So that's why this could be a huge shift for the Liberals from, from leading the government to not even being the opposition party if they lose, right? And, and that's why it, that is actually a really big deal, right? The NDP will start getting much more coverage um, th- being the official opposition. I think we, we, we've seen that happen in Ottawa, and then uh, they came roaring back with Justin Trudeau. But, uh, yeah, we have seen that happen before. We've seen that happen with, with other governments. Uh, you know, um, I'm thinking federally. I'm thinking the 92 election where the Conservatives, after two majorities, were reduced to two seats. Anyway, let's yeah. go to a Ken in Sarnia. Hi, Ken. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good. I was in uh, down around Leamington on Friday. Have you been down there lately? Nope. Between Wallaceburg and Leamington, there's probably 500 wind turbines. Yep. Not one of them was turning. And yet they're still putting these stupid things up. Mm-hmm. That's one reason I don't think Kathleen Wynne should get one vote. Um, yeah. And uh, is there anything that Kathleen Wynne uh, could do to uh, win your support or win it back? I don't know what you voted beforehand. Start tearing down windmills, Kathleen. <laughs> no, they, these things are useless. We we're, we're, we have excess hydro, which we give away, and they're still putting these wind turbines up. And they're wrecking the water wells down around Wallaceburg. And the, and the farmers down there have been protesting. They've taken samples of the water into uh, down to Toronto, and uh, nothing happens. If this, if this was happening around Toronto, they would stop these wind turbines in a heartbeat. But because it's out in the country and in a way where there's not a whole lot of votes, they just they just trample these people all over. Well, I know that's a huge issue uh, locally. Um, uh, yeah, um, there you go. So for Ken and Sarnia, nothing she can do except and, and, maybe tearing them down. She went, to, she went to China for two weeks and came back with like $2 billion worth of contracts. She, she, she should be in sales instead of the prime minister. Her premier. You know, she's in Vietnam now. A lot of those trips, those contracts, are those deals are basically done before they go. Well, yeah, she's just over there to reap in the glory. 
I, I, I'm in sales, and those things don't happen in two weeks. Okay. Yep. Thanks a lot. Okay. Uh, so uh, interesting that uh, we have seen uh, this is a local issue. How much, again, um, Ashton, would you think that you're going to have local issues like that versus government fatigue versus something like, say, minimum wage, which will be delayed if Patrick Brown gets in? Sure. So, you know, obviously in Ontario, energy issues have become incredibly divisive, especially over the last couple of years. But uh, that gentleman who just called in provided us with a perfect case study of what's happening here. The government is wearing literally every single one of these energy failures over the past number of years. And even as they've made strident efforts towards making fixes along the way, they have not seen a single iota of support go back to them. Uh, that has got to be very, very concerning if you're sitting in a government office today hoping that the Liberals are reelected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, uh, William, what do you make of that? Uh, just, uh, just a quick uh, point on the uh, the windmill. So we, just going back to one of our surveys, we uh, we surveyed and asked um, uh, people, but this was in February, so it's going back a little bit, but we asked them why hydro rates were increasing. And uh, there's, a, there's about 10% of uh of individuals living in Ontario that, that agree with Ken um, that uh, they think it's uh, wind turbines and, and green energy investments are are at fault for for increasing hydro rates um, and, and sort of poor management of Ontario's hydro. Um, just to just to tie in some some data there. Uh, going back to your your question on, on local issues, kind of versus provincial issues, uh, it it depends on on. The, the individual voter and, and what's important to them. Um, but uh, if there's enough local issues uh, and, and enough riding, that can have definitely a dramatic effect uh, on an election. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of a case-by-case. Case. Uh, I want to get to the uh, demographics uh, of, of the support shown in your poll. So the PCs <laughs> did well for people uh, 45 and over. Uh, those are Zoomers. I mean, there are a couple of different demos in there. Uh, and, uh, you know, older people vote more. Yeah, uh, that, that's certainly true. Um, and then we take that into, into consideration as well, uh, you know, likelihood of, vo- of voting. So, yeah, the PCs uh, resonate really well with, with those aged 45 and over, um, those who are, are kind of from the wealthier income brackets. Um, and then regionally, it's also uh, southwestern Ontario. Uh, there's a big pocket of uh, a PC support there. Um, however, the, the kind of big, uh, the big apple for, for Ontario elections is obviously the GTA. Uh, that's where there's the most seats. And um, you can kind of win or lose elections on how well you do in the GTA. Um, and the, the, con- the Conservatives are actually uh, tied right now with the Liberals uh, overall in the GTA, so, which, is, which is very unusual. If you look at past, uh, the past elections, the Liberals kind of sweep uh, the GTA with kind of a little pocket here and there of NDAP. Um, but uh, we're seeing that the PCs are really, really penetrating with, with areas of the GTA, and especially kind of areas that you would kind of, uh, you know, tie back to municipal election, like the Ford Nation, uh, those kind of suburb areas uh, of the GTA are really um, uh, kind of rolling with the PC support there. And um, would you say, uh, do the PCs have to have like a, a, a landslide for them to make inroads in, in the city of Toronto? Or I don't think they, they need to have a landslide because they're doing so well in, in kind of rural Ontario, uh, that uh, they just need to 
they just need to win some of the seats. And right now, you know, a third of GTA residents are indicating that they're going to vote PC uh, in the upcoming election. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's statistically tied with the, with the Liberals there. It's a, a third each way. And that's enough. Like, that's an, they're going to get enough seats in the GTA uh, and vote-rich kind of GTA um, that uh, they'd be able to win. Win a, a huge majority. Yeah, but I'm I'm talking about Toronto as GTA at 905. Mm, but right, I see Toronto, at Ashton. How important is is that for them to make an inroad in Toronto? I think it's incredibly important that they make at least some sort of inroad into Toronto. Um, but at the end of the day, the numbers aren't really lying right now. Uh, they're going to pick up huge swaths of seats in 905 and suburbia um, and southwestern Ontario. Quite frankly, will we'll carry them over the edge. Um, but in terms of establishing yourself as a party that represents everybody in the province of Ontario, it, all, it is always nice to have a seat or two in every jurisdiction. Uh, obviously, Toronto has been problematic uh, for the PCs for a number of years now. I think Patrick Brown uh, has identified this as an issue, and I think he has assembled a team, uh, both of organizers and candidates, who are ready to take that on. Um, if you want to hold the Premier's office in Ontario, you better have a couple of seats in Toronto. Well, yeah, I, w- I would think so. Um, and uh, interesting, he met with John Tory last week uh, over transit, even though I'm sure his plans, I know that there's been flack over what he said about taking over the big transit project. Uh, but anyway, uh, we are running out of time. So uh, starting with uh, William, what would you like to leave us with on this? I think uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting, um, you know, uh, beginning of the year, and uh, it's, it's an exciting year next year. You know, we have the provincial election and the municipal elections. Uh, we're we're very interested to see uh, once we really dive into the campaigns, you know, uh, how the experienced and and kind of vetted Kathleen Wynne does when she starts uh, campaigning. Uh, Patrick Brown's uh, first official campaign as the party leader. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how he does in comparison uh, with with Wynne. Um, and uh, to see if there's anything Kathleen Wynne can do to, to gain some more support, to kind of gain back some of her previous voters and, uh, and get a more optimistic outlook than what it's looking like right now. Okay. And uh, Ashton, what would you like to leave us with? Sure. I'm looking at, I'm looking at two things here. And I, number one would be the discipline from the PC team. Um, thus far, they've remained incredibly disciplined. I think they're coming off uh, a little bit of a high from what was otherwise considered a very, very good convention. But secondary, uh, I would look at the campaign prowess of Andrea Horvath, because ultimately Andrea Horvath's party support and personal support will ultimately determine who is going to be sitting in the premier's chair one way or another. So if she comes out strong and she sees an early bump in the early days of the campaign, then I think we've got a new race. And I think that uh, both the Liberals and the PCs need to be aware of that. Okay, well, uh, I'm sure we're going to be talking about this many more times before that election, uh, which will, you know, be here around the corner sooner than we think. In the meantime, uh, thank you both. Thank, thank you, you Ashton Arsenault and William Shatton. Bye-bye. Thank you. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about something very important for your health. There's a new shingles vaccine that is about to come on the market at the beginning of the new year. It's called Shingrix, uh, and it's apparently a lot more effective than the shingles vaccine that there is now. Shingles, like, believe me, you don't want to get shingles. I'm going to give the numbers out again. Uh, we are going to be talking to two people with very expert opinions. 
We're talking to Andre Picard and Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. Before we go to break, the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And we will be right back talking about the new shingles vaccine. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.